HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In The Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, um, and I'm here today with the wine director of The Meatball Shop, Sky Latour. Uh, welcome to the show, Sky. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, I've actually been going to The Meatball Shop uh, quite a bit since you guys uh, have, had opened in the uh, in the West Village, pretty close to... Uh, to Del Anima, and uh, I've been I've been a big fan, so uh, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show. I was actually super stoked when you guys because at first you didn't have a, a liquor license at that location, and then once you did, I got I was very excited. I saw that you put on some really fun wines. Yeah, we made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you uh, you got to the meatball shop. Uh, your experience in the past. I know you've you know grew up in New Jersey, um, lived kind of around the country, worked at some. Pretty spectacular restaurants, Emeralds Del Monaco, New Orleans, A16 with the great Shelley Lindgren in San Francisco, um, and you made your way back up to the Northeast Coast, or Northeast, uh, but tell us a little bit about what brought you into the industry and, and your your experience. Um, well, I've always worked in restaurants. I started on uh, Route 17 in New Jersey, um, and I just kind of always worked at one, a restaurant somewhere or another. Um, in order to pay the bills. And when I moved to New Orleans, I moved there because I was just uh, bored and complacent and I wanted to be somewhere that was going to entertain me. And um, I started working as a busser at uh, Emerald's Del Monaco because I wanted to learn how to do, you know, the real fine dining, um, serious stuff because I'd always done mostly chain restaurants. and I worked for, you know, Alice Cooper, um, in Phoenix, and uh, so I wanted to take it a little more seriously since that was about six years in at that point. Um, and so I worked my way up, and I um, ended up just lucking out. I had the most amazing mentors. I, uh, when I showed up at Emerald Del Monaco, Chris Robles was the wine director, 
And um, he was really amazing, and he was a rock star to me. And uh, we would do tasting menus, um, mm-hmm. ten courses every day. And the chef. So your idea of starting at Emeralds Del Monaco was because you knew you wanted to be in the industry and you wanted to learn the the finer side of things. But did you know that you wanted to also go into the wine industry, or was it no. the wine side? I wasn't even a drinker until I was mm. uh, twenty one. I, I started drinking when I was in New Orleans, actually. Um, if you're not drinking in New Orleans, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, um, I, I played a lot of good pool <laughs> up until that point. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I just wanted to take restaurants a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. I ended up, you know, when you go to school, you kind of rule out some of the stuff that you don't want to do. And I realized that the restaurants were a constant thing. Um, so I tried to take it more seriously. And then it was just how amazing the wine program was at Delmonico. I mean, that... You know, if, if I could get that list back, it was incredible. We had, um, you know, we had uh, verticals of Jaye and Dunn and everything you could imagine for really reasonable prices. I mean, we would drink, you know, 1990 Jaye von Romani, you know, after dinner with steak. <laughs> wow. Um, and it was really nice. And I think, you know, we, we didn't take it for granted, but I certainly didn't know what I had when I had it at the time. Um, and then after a few years, I... You know, it's pretty old school there. It's like an apprenticeship almost when you're interested in wine. And uh, I went to Burgundy. I wanted to... I kind of got to that point where you're that snotty sommelier. You think you know everything, but you don't know nearly enough. And I would talk about wine like that to guests. And they're like, oh, so you've been there? And I never actually had been there. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to kind of put my money where my mouth was and go and check it out. So I knew what I was saying. And so I went to Burgundy and I went to Italy and ended up doing the harvest in Burgundy. It was 2003 when it was a really Mm -hmm. um, hot vintage. Um, So they had to scramble for pickers and I kind of lucked out. Ended up staying six weeks and I just kind of, you know, fell into the same same trap that we all do, I guess. And so what what did actually going there and doing harvest what did that enlighten for you or change in you well it took the snottiness right out (laughs) (laughs) um you know it doesn't get realer than those guys i mean they wake up every day and think about the weather and the vineyard and the wine and what they want to do and what everybody else is doing and um how their previous vintage is doing and that's you know what they think about every second they take it really seriously and then Mm -hmm. you realize how seriously you need to take it um and what all those things mean and what it means to have like a agricultural product as opposed to a beverage sometimes and um it was a big deal for me and then uh you went back to new orleans after that Uh uh-huh and I try not to be a snob uh, and um, just kind of keep the confidence. I mean, I didn't realize that uh, knowing Burgundy like I did was such a leg up until I got more involved. Um, and then so I, yeah, so I worked at Dials as um, a captain and an assistant. And then I got my first gig there um, at a French restaurant in the French Quarter. And maybe two months later, we uh, it was Hurricane Katrina. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so I evacuated to San Francisco where everybody told me I should have been in the first place. <laughs> um, and that's when I met a six, uh, Shelly at 16, like the first day I arrived, I met Shelly, which what luck. doesn't get better than that. How did you, how did you manage that? <laughs> um, I, I had had my eye on San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, it's a old boys club in New Orleans. It was, I was kind of like waiting for somebody 
to die in order for me to get a sommelier gig there. And everybody would tell me, you know, in San Francisco, it's a totally different world. And um, they welcome more newer faces and things like that. Um, so I had my eye on it for a while. I, I knew who I wanted to meet and where I wanted to go. And, you know, I went to Rubicon. I went to A16 and, and just fell in her lap at the right time. You just walk in and say, I want to meet you, Shelly? No, I met um, Paul Ibund and um, I was at, I just walked into Bacar and then he mm-hmm. walked me into Rubicon and then they told me how uh, there was this person, Shelly, and she's amazing and she could use help because she's got, you know, people, she can't pop the corks <laughs> open fast enough. And so they dropped me on her doorstep and she, you know how she is. She's the most warm and welcoming person. So I met her, we talked for 15 minutes maybe, and she was like, come on. All right, well tell us about your time at A16. Um, I learned everything you could possibly know about hospitality from Shelly. Um, I didn't know a single Southern Italian wine and uh, you know, it's a hundred percent Southern Italy. There's mm-hmm. no um, easy <laughs> Tuscan Chianti um, things to save you, so you are just stuck with the Southern Italy, which is so brilliant because then you can really appreciate it when you're forced to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. And um, she doesn't really have a regimen. You just learn by watching how great she is and you just kind of emulate it and she's constantly tasting and popping things open and she's so passionate about things that you latch on to the ones that she likes and then you realize what's so great and beautiful about those wines and then you kind of get your own personality from there and she had that really nice balance of you know having such a firm fine dining background that you would get that service but she shed away all of the uncomfortable stiffness um so it's you know pretty magic combination yeah well, i mean one of my favorite restaurants in the country it's, it's just incredible. an incredible uh, a warm place fine dining quality wine list fine dining quality food but fun and just yeah. just an awesome awesome it place. reminds me of roberta well roberta's reminds me of <laughs> a16 because <laughs> a16 got there first for me um but yeah they were very similar in that way like you feel like a real warmth here and then what brought you to new york um, at A16, I met Daniel Holtzman. He mm-hmm. was the opening chef at SPQR. Um, and uh, we uh, were really, really close friends. And he always wanted to open something of his own in New York. He grew up here. And he always used to walk by restaurants in San Francisco and say, why can't somebody just do one thing right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, eventually he came up with a meatball shop. And he needed somebody to whip up a wine list and it's you know how hard it is to just articulate what you want and it's great to have people that know what you want without having to explain it and I know what he wants so it was really easy I came here for a weekend made the list and he was worried that nobody was gonna show up the restaurant was gonna open like four days he was like what if nobody shows up (laughs) yeah he's never had to worry about that he's never had to worry I mean he does because he worries about lots of things but he's never had to worry about it actually um, and then they wanted to open more. And um, while I was in San Francisco, I opened quite a few restaurants from the start. Um, so it was a nice combination of hybrid for me of like a challenge of opening four restaurants in two years. And then also having the ability to do the beverage program 
um, at the same time. So there was a nice balance of something I really know and something that would be a challenge. So tell us about how you approach putting together the uh, beverage program for for these restaurants. Is you know there's uh, th- there's probably more that I'm not thinking of, but obviously the, the original one, the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. the West Village one near Del Anima, Williamsburg, Upper East Side, Chelsea. Am I missing anything? No. All very different, very different neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, do, do you kind of cater your wine list and beverage programs to the neighborhood? I try. We we run, uh, we're trying to run that line of having consistency and um, being able to walk into any meatball shop and knowing that they have what you want and also um, appreciating that the neighborhood's there. We, you know, it's, it's hard to keep those two things. We tried a few things and failed um, as far as the beverage goes um, of catering specifically to different places. But it is, it's a little oh, bit different. Like what? What can you share with us? It's so interesting. <laughs> um, like don't put champagne on a, a meatball shop wine list in <laughs> Brooklyn because that won't work. <laughs> um, so that would be my main failure. I mean, um, I always thought that uh, it'd be fun to have champagne and you know, sometimes when people ask for things, you think it's more people than <laughs> are yeah. actually there. Um, so it turns out, like, you know, there's actually two people that want champagne with their meatballs in Brooklyn. <laughs> and that is about it. Yeah. Um, and one of them doesn't realize how much champagne actually costs. They just think <laughs> yeah. it's sparkling wine, right? <laughs> but <laughs> what's incredible, I found a really beautiful champagne um, for super cheap. I was able to put it for 40 bucks on the list. Um, and it was well worth more than that. Maybe that was the error, too, is when you put it too cheap, people think something's wrong with it. Um, but we like to um, make sure that the value goes directly to the people eating the balls. You know, we don't <laughs> <laughs> we try not to take too much of that. Um, yeah, I mean, the 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 concept uh, is just such a brilliant. One. It's hard for me as someone who works in the restaurant industry to just to, to sit there and enjoy it and not think about how brilliant of a concept it is um you know not only is it the the product absolutely delicious but it how how much it must simplify things to have such a a, a streamlined menu that still gives your customers lots of options and is kind of fun and who doesn't like a meatball uh, exactly uh <laughs> it's it's awesome like it's it's such a such a great idea and uh uh, kind of a, a, a definitely a preferred lunch spot for me uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, now that I now that I moved to Brooklyn, uh, <laughs> nice. Um, okay, and then so what kind of wines do you think go well with with meatballs and in the fair at the meatball shop? Um, I, uh, it's it's super easy yeah. to find wines that go with the meatball shop. Um, one because Italian. Um, any Italian minded food is the easiest food uh, to have wine with. So there's it's a more Italian wines than anything else, but it's a super small list. I mean, there's like 15 wines. Um, but, you know, we also have the things that, in my mind, go with everything. So you've got, you know, Prosecco, Rosé, Beaujolais, and Riesling. Um, you know, we have those markets, uh, vegetables and market salads that are amazing with the Riesling. Mm-hmm. And the veggie ball uh, with pesto and Riesling. It's kind of where it's at also. <laughs> Yeah, uh, pesto is definitely my preferred sauce there. I like the chicken with the pesto. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the pork with the with the meat sauce. That's Extra my meat. winner, right there. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Um, and so, what what have been some of the most successful? What are people actually drinking? Um, people are actually drinking cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> um, people love cocktails. Cocktails are uh, somewhat new for me, um, and really, really fun um, and exciting. You know, it. it Everything that we try and do is to just keep it simple, take things that you would think are supposed to be complicated and expensive and require a lot of tools and ingredients and show you that you can do it in a way that um, it isn't necessary to do that. And cocktails are one that um, people really appreciate that you do that and you can then give it to them for a less expensive price because there's less labor and less um, stuff going on. Um, so that's what people are drinking yeah. for the most part. They like cocktails and whiskey and Montepulciano. Um, Everyone's asking time. for Montepulciano? Everybody loves our Montepulciano. It's been on since the day one. I've never taken it off. Um, and it's super delicious. And it's uh, it, it appeals to so many different types of palates because yeah. it's got that like rich, smooth, deep, dark fruit. So you've got like Merlot drinkers and Malbec drinkers and um, Cabernet drinkers and Grenache drinkers can all kind of jump on the Montepulciano. On the Montepulciano bad wagon. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, break, and we'll be back with more uh, on In the Drink today with Sky Latour. You are listening to Leaving by Dead Stars on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Stay tuned for more from In the Drink. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. We're back uh, with In the Drink today with Sky Latour. Um, Sky, so you uh, run the wine program for, or the beverage program for five meatball shops. Um, and uh, I really love the, the well edited wine list that, that you've chosen and uh, have had several of the cocktails there as well. Um, well done. But you do have this, uh, this background where you 
we're, you told us before that you were drinking 90 Jaya after our family meal and uh, and you worked with, you know, an A16 of Shelly Lingren. Do you ever miss that level of wine service and kind of dealing with those uh, those finer wines? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, but, you know, I think it was just, you know, the sacrifice I had to make to kind of move on as a person in the industry um i miss it a lot um but there's a lot of things that i um grew frustrated by you know you as a someone you are often in situations where you want to talk about wine but you can't really speak freely about it um there's always a little bit of a limitation there Mm -hmm. um and the more in love with wine i got the less interested i was in structure and constraints like that um and so instead of it being so many being like a fun game and 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 um career to hone in on and 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 get really good with those skills because there's so many um skills that you really have to practice and um just being on the floor is such a difficult thing to do but if you are in the zone it's like so amazing um and then there was a point where i was um just so interested in you know, speaking about wine the way I wanted to and showing people things that maybe aren't appropriate when you're in that kind of um, sommelier to guest um, situation um, that I kind of started wanting a little bit more of a relaxed approach. Like for what? For what would you like? What would you like to show someone that you couldn't do in a, in a more formal dining setting? Well, I just think it's hard to I wish I wish we could speak about wine like you know, fans speak about football <laughs> and, you know, you get really passionate and, um, you opinionated and, um, sometimes that's not the, how you want to, um, present yourself as mm-hmm. far as the wine goes. Um, because it's, you don't know where somebody's at and there's so much tension and, um, sometimes where on the other end and you're inherently the salesperson, And so it's very difficult for them to embrace everything you're saying, um, no matter how great you are at it, you are selling them a product. And so I just love the um, freedom of not having that underlying dynamic and being able to deal with wine and deal with people in wine and educating them and talking about it in a way where, you know, that isn't an obstacle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Both you and uh, uh, Chef Daniel came from more of, you know, had fine dining experience and I feel like you guys guys have both kind of like found your voice and your way through bringing that that quality and integrity to a a very casual setting to a very approachable price point um your your wine list uh I think I think the correct me if I'm wrong but the most expensive wine I've ever noticed on your list was like our Pepe Rosso Mm -hmm. um about 60 dollars and change or something like yeah, that it's 58 dollars which you know i look at that list and like oh like oh that's a great price on our favorite so yeah, uh, so delicious what a tasty wine um but do you do you feel strongly that that there that wine should be a very good value that that people should be drinking these kind of more approachably priced wines yeah i feel extremely strongly about that and um and that is a big deal to me i want um people to understand that they they can drink these amazing wines from these people these human beings that are making them the wine and they and those people actually um price their wines at a very reasonable (laughs) level for the most part 
and they're accessible and the sommelier is supposed to be able to bring those things to you and um, most do um, but in this in this light it's um, so much more casual and easy mm-hmm. and um, I can be so more unabashed about it um, and a lot of what we do is exactly that like we, you know we get frustrated when we see big markups when we go to eat and we go to drink and we wanted to have a place where we took that away and showed you that you can have something um, without doing that. I mean, you can't do it in every scenario, but with meatballs again. <laughs> so how do you go about your selection process? Um, are you changing your list frequently? Uh, do you have certain criteria? Do you, do you already have, I mean, you have a lot of experience. Do you, do you sort of know which wines you want to put on the list and you don't need to taste that often? Um, no, I like to taste all the time. Um, like you said, it's harder for me now that I'm not in um, the serious sommelier game to taste as much as I used to. Um, so I like to taste as much as possible. I would love to change the list more often than we do. Um, but for consistency's sake, we stick to um, maybe four or five times a year that we'll switch it up. Um, and yeah, we've, I've, I think people <laughs> sometimes get disappointed when they see me as the buyer there. They're thinking maybe it won't be someone who's such a pain in the ass and has as many requirements as I do um, for such a small list. But I do. I, I, I need it to be, you know, uh, native varietals, um, something that you can actually taste what the, the grape is that was intended. It has to be made from an actual person. Um, and I have to be able to sell it for the price that makes sense. Like, I mm-hmm. can't have a rosé be the most expensive wine on the list. It has to be on the cheaper side. Um, So it's really challenging in that way, Um, but I think it's worth it and it's still fun. (laughs) Yeah. How many different distributors do you deal with? Uh, More than everyone would like me to. (laughs) Um, 15 wines, 15 distributors? Just about, but more like eight or nine. It's like um, there's an awful lot of great wine out here and there's an awful lot of distributors. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, as as a, a, a wine geek or someone who's who has a passion for it, it's hard to to not want to constantly taste and see what else. I'm I'm amazing. I've been tasting Italian wine for um, you know for the restaurants for over six years now, and there's still new distributors that are coming out. There's uh, new grapes and new appellations that I've never tasted before. Um, it happens all the time, so I can imagine that. Uh, it takes a lot of self-restraint to keep your, your list to that size. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hardest part for but sure. But the nice thing about it is, you, you know, you, the, your lists are better than they have to be. They're, they're great. Every single wine on there, I look at them like, I would like to drink every single wine on here. Maybe it's not what I'm in the mood for tonight, but you know it's a wine that's made with integrity and has a purpose and is, is a good wine. So wow. I think you've done a great job with Thanks. that. Thanks. It's the nicest thing you could have possibly said. <laughs> uh, outside <laughs> of... Uh, of the restaurants, what are you, what are you drinking? God, I love Burgundy. <laughs> um, I drink Burgundy a lot. I love it. Oh, um, nice. And I drink a lot of whiskey. Um, you know, the cocktail side is um, really fun for me, and I'm still a student in a lot of ways mm-hmm. with it. Um, I uh, really have embraced the whole local thing. The fact that all these people are um, making local spirits reminds me so much of Burgundy, actually. And um, 
I want to be able to support that and we're in a position where we're busy enough that we can and so we do um, and we use um, mostly local spirits for all our cocktails. Great. I just brought out a group from the restaurants to the uh, Green Hook Gin Smiths. Oh, man, he's the best. He's a great guy. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, I love it. Like me, he's half Italian and half Jewish and grew up in New York but boy does he have the best New York accent. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And just like a year ago he, you know, he had his mom on the bottling line um, and he put all his information on like a crammed little card, <laughs> and now he's um, you know full production and uh, um, killing it. I see his his gin everywhere, and, and we sell we sell like crazy. Yeah, it's super exciting. What are some other local products that you're really into? Um, well, I love um, I love I love Green Hook a lot. I like the also the seventy seven wheat from the Brooklyn Distillery guys. Um, I think they're doing a really great job. Um, and they've kind of gotten the situation where they're not making a, a full bourbon because they haven't been around long enough to age it long enough. So they make this really beautiful, just wheat um, whiskey, and it's gorgeous. I mean, we, we use it on our cocktail list to make Ward 8s, and um, it's really, really delicious on its own. Um, they make a little bit of gin, too. Um, they're pretty great. Yeah. So going back to your cocktail list for a moment, uh, you said you didn't have a lot of experience when you were putting the list together. What? How did you? How did you go about doing that as someone who didn't have a ton of experience? Uh, at first, we tried to do it very similar to the um, menu, where mm-hmm. you kind of pick your own. So you would pick your spirit, and you would pick your like ingredients, kind of. So we'd be putting like an old fashioned together for you in a way where you would pick like whiskey and then you would um pick like bitter and we would make you an old-fashioned basically and things like that um and it got to be a little bit too complicated um but it was really really fun um but we ended up just kind of using that for the whiskey and so now we have all these different types of whiskey and then you pick the type of cocktails you can you know check off um old scout and you can check off manhattan and you'll get an old scout manhattan um, or you can do a whiskey sour or um, a Sazerac or something like that. So a lot of classic cocktails. Yeah, we like to stick with the classics. Um, and so most of it is just uh, like all of our classic cocktails. With- and I like that you're making it uh, relevant to the to the area that's coming from by using these local spirits and kind of making it uh, a true like New York version of, of these classic cocktails. Yeah, and we try and keep it seasonal. So we call it homegrown. So right now the Green Hook we make a Negroni. Um, and that's on our little homegrown cocktail list. Nice. Can you uh, can you break any news on the show? Are there any meatball shops opening up anywhere else around? Um, we want to have another meatball shop, and we have our eye on um, uh, hopefully you know somewhere in New York for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 To. Uh, hometown New York boys as well and uh, I know Daniel and Michael both from the Upper East Side right uh, yeah and you know they are chomping at the bit they've yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just a patient couple <laughs> it's a great I mean we're we're rooting for you guys it's just such an awesome concept and uh, I, I, I love that that you're part of the team and they're you know bringing that 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 experience and and level of quality to the beverage program uh, it is awesome I think that they it's not they, I think they could probably be very successful and not have a a true beverage professional uh, hired, but uh, I think it just goes to show like how much integrity that they have and uh, what a great what a great program and we're we're rooting for you. Oh, that's so. You guys nice. are awesome. Uh, I, I'm sure I'd love to have you back uh, in in 
uh, a year or two um, when there are meatball shops in Asia and the Middle East. <laughs> I'm still going for New Orleans. All right, in New Orleans. <laughs> um, and I'll see you in uh, back in San Francisco for the La Palais. Yeah, I certainly uh, will. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure you, you, you have a bunch of friends out there that, that you're going to see as well, huh? Yeah, I mean, we, we always have a blast. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you so much, Sky. This has been it's been so much fun having you on the show, and I'll, I'll see you at the restaurant soon. Thanks, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.